Hello, and welcome to the Deep Bible Studies podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I'm your host, Claudia Rivera Guevara, and today we will be going through the second part of John 5, 16 through 30. But before we get started, I just wanted to give complete credit to my other two teammates, which are amazing, Sandra and Alenis, who really helped out with this script. And yeah, this is all credited to them. So let's get started. Verse 16 says, And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Though God rested from creation, he never ceased from preserving and governing that which he had formed. Yet in the perspective of the Jewish oral tradition, not the law, he can keep no Sabbaths if we're truly talking about God not doing anything during the last day. For nothing can continue to exist or answer to God if not by the divine wisdom and goodness of God. Or you could say without the continual presence and say of God. On the other hand, a dominant theme in this passage is the way that Jesus relates to God the Father. Verse 16 says that the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he had healed this man on the Sabbath. So Jesus responded with an explanation in the verse 17. It's almost as if we just need to leave aside the question of the Sabbath for a moment and simply focus on the relationship of Jesus to God the Father. This is what the Jews did and it elevated actually their persecution of planning to kill him. So verse 18 says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Now what is crucial to see here is not that they would draw that conclusion, but that Jesus just let it stand. They were there, weren't they? We weren't. They could see and they could hear the way he spoke about God, his father. And evidently, there were sufficient indications in what he said and the way that he said it that they thought, this man is really treating himself as an equal with God in the way that he talks about God. Jesus let it stand and begins to unpack the implications. He says that the son doesn't go his own way, but stays in perfect step with the father. And that the father doesn't go his own way, but acts in the perfect step with the son. Then he gives two implications of this for us. First, the son only does what the father does. The Godhead acts in perfect synchronization. Verse 19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. But whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. The most important statement in those verses is the second half of verse 19. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. This is different from saying Jesus chooses to do some things or to do what the Father does doing and only does what the Father is doing. Because it says whatever the Father does, Jesus does. When the Father acts, Jesus acts. This is the sort of thing the Jews heard Jesus say. And they concluded rightly, you talk like you're equal with him. You talk as if for him to act is for you to act. As if there is some kind of essential connection or union. 
which is true. So verse 21 says, for as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. Jesus used the work of the resurrection as an example of the shared work of the father and the son. Here the son has the power and authority to raise the death and give life just as the father does. I mean, I'm gonna let you take some time and think of a greater power and authority than of that to raise the dead because I can't. I mean, it's the only thing we all have in common other than sin and the wages of sin is death. So you kind of get where I'm going with this. The religious leaders didn't want to think much about Jesus's ability to heal the paralytic and the sick in general. Instead, they wanted to focus on him as a Sabbath breaker. Yet the power of Jesus went far beyond the power of healing. Verse 22 says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. It is before God, the Son, that the people will stand on the day of judgment. Even during his earthly ministry, Jesus was something of a judge among humanity. Just being in the presence of Jesus led one to know I'm not like him. And you can see this all throughout the gospels. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he was judged. He looked upon Peter and he was judged. You guys, doesn't this debunk the whole Jesus only came to love? Because it's true that he came to love, but he also came to judge. Is that not why he took the cross? Those who were not looks of anger, they were looks of love. Yet when they saw the face of Jesus, they knew a love was extended to them and they were not worthy of it. Verse 23 says that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. This was a clear claim to his deity. If Jesus designating himself as a son was not God, then it would be idolatry to honor the son as if they honor God. Whether God is dishonored with an effect that judgment falls is determined by the frontline historical person of Jesus. If people honor him for who he really is, then God the Father is honored for who he really is. So in a sense, all judgment is given to the Son. What people make of him decides their final judgment. You guys, please think about that. I'm going to repeat it. What people make of him regarding Jesus decides their final judgment. But that's because what they make of him is what they make of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus explained to the astonished religious leaders that those who heard his word would have everlasting life. They would have a life connected with eternity and have that life now. John 3.16 states as we've heard many times for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life trusting in relying on and clinging to jesus is path to everlasting life true belief in the father is belief in the son and the true belief the genuine belief in the son is belief in the father and with that deep genuine repentance so if we believe in him, we will not only have eternal life, but we already have it. And we will not come into judgment or condemnation, but have already passed through judgment and are safe on the other side because Jesus became that judgment for us. And when we are united with him in faith, his death becomes our death. 
His crucifixion becomes our crucifixion. And his curse on the cross is our curse on the cross. And his resurrection is his resurrection. So no, you will not be the same. We have already passed from death to life. The old has passed, the new has come, Paul says. This is wonderful news and it's true. Truly, truly, I say to you, An hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus had already explained that one who lives can hear his word, believe, and have everlasting life. Now he adds that one day even the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and be raised again. These are remarkable claims to be much more than a man. He could not have been because he's not. Verse 26 then says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Jesus further describes his uniqueness to the religious leaders by claiming that he has life in himself. A gift granted by God the Father, Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life not dependent upon it like people or things are none of us have life inherent in ourselves our life is derived from our parents the environment around us jesus yet he claimed that his life derived from no one it is inherent and uncreated it reminds me of i am an exodus theologians call this quality of self-existence a seity and recognize that God alone possesses it. That is our God, the only true God. You see, he is immutable and self-existent and everlasting. Verse 28 says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Previously, Jesus said that all who had everlasting life would hear his voice and live, and that was in John 5.25. He now extended the concept of the resurrection to all humanity, both those who have done good and those who have done evil. That is all of us. I don't think one is counted out of evil and good. We That is all of us. So does this mean that salvation is done on the basis of good works? Of course not. That would be completely contradictory to the whole gospel because the gospel makes it plain over and over again that man will enter eternal life not because of what he can do because he only deserves justice the god's justice true justice which is god's judgment and yet eternal life is when we repent and believe in jesus trust in him put on christ but the lives they live a form of the test of faith they profess works is the fruit of faith faith cannot be without works and yet they are all woven completely together. Verse 29 then says, And come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the judgment. Jesus explains this to the astonished religious leaders, explaining who he was, the nature of his authority and his deity. At the same time, he tells us something remarkable about humanity, that everyone, both those who have done good and those who have done evil, will live forever. Everlasting life is true. It's far beyond physical and material life that we know on this earth and we live on this earth. Jesus will command them to rise on the day of judgment in the body suited for eternity. 
I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of him who sent me. Jesus explained that he is qualified as a complete righteous judge because his power is in submission to God the Father. He repeated the themes, I can of myself do nothing, I do not seek my own will, but the will of he who sent me. We see this constantly. I love God's justice. I mean, I deserve completely nothing good out of it. And yet, he legally declared me righteous not by anything I have done because you guys, I have nothing to offer but filthy rags. But he credited me his righteousness by paying the fine that I was meant to pay, which was everlasting hell, eternity of judgment because of my disgustingness and my sin. And yet he took that punishment. He bore the wrath of God, Jesus, incarnated himself as God and he, a God man. And he took that punishment so that I might have everlasting life through his life, death, and resurrection. And I might be resurrected with him and his justice might be known. So now I just want to for a second ask you to truly think about that. Something that I love that Ray Comfort in Living Waters constantly watches videos he says is think about when you're gonna die. You don't know. It could be today, tomorrow. I mean he literally was preaching to a guy and the guy told him that he would live for so long and six hours later he got into a bike accident and he died. He was the only one out of his friends that died and he did not want to listen to Ray Comfort. Think about this. Think about your eternity. Think about the presence of God, his justice, the fact that he is all satisfying and apart from him, what is the point? So now moving on, John Piper said regarding this passage of the Bible, which is what we will be concluding with, repent and rejoice. This is what Jesus is saying here. Whether you see it or not, here is my response to your accusations about my Sabbath breaking. I and the Father are one. We created the world and the Sabbath. Since sin and sickness entered the world, my Father has been working and I have been working to restore Sabbath joy and wholeness in the rest of the world. That is what I am doing right here. And now in the months that remain of me on this earth, I will deliver the decisive victory at the cross and I will come again to complete my redeeming work. And in that kingdom, there will be no sickness and there will be no sin. Therefore, repent and rejoice that a man has been safe from both on the Sabbath. Amen. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram at Deep Bible Studies and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.